Hey there, listeners. Welcome to episode 63 of Resiliency, facilitating resiliency in local believers with our guest, John Weaver. And we are also in the second full week of Lent. And so I just wanted to share with you a resource that I have found extremely helpful in my own Lenten journey. Uh, it's called The Unvarnished Jesus by author Brian Zand. Brian Zand is the founder and lead pastor of Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And he's got a lot of other books that I think are, are pretty wonderful. But The Unvarnished Jesus is a 46-day journey taking us from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday on a quest to encounter the real Jesus. And um, we get so caught up in the, in the politics and in the culture, our own cultural expectations of who Jesus is. And uh, Brian just helps us to remove the layers of lacquer that compromise our ability to see Jesus and how compelling, how challenging he actually is. And so uh, I just want to encourage you take a look at this book. This is the second year that I've used it for, for Lent, and I think it would be a, a great resource for some of you who are just looking for something fresh and something new. So we're going to get into our intro music and jump right into the, the interview that we have today with John Weaver. listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resiliency of field workers. Twice a month, co-hosts Steve Finley and Silas West bring you their conversations with long-term field workers or experts in the field of member care with the goal of encouraging you in your life and work of cross-cultural ministry. Well, Resiliency listeners, we are super blessed today to have a new friend, somebody whom we've just met uh, uh, before our, our interview today, but somebody whom I've known about for years. Silas and I are here uh, speaking on Zoom with John Weaver. John, welcome to Resiliency. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Silas. Yeah, it's good to have you here. John, would you, would you be willing just to share a little bit about who you are, what you do, as much as you feel comfortable sharing? Mm-hmm. Well, I've had the privilege of serving Muslims for about 30 years. That started uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, back in the 90s. And that kind of led me on this journey of wanting to work among unreached people groups uh, in different nations. And Afghanistan was the one that kind of the Lord just put on my heart and uh, spoke clearly in a dream one time and a vision one time and just prayers and through the word and unreached people groups. And so I've been involved in in, in ministry with Afghans since uh, 1998, and uh, I lived in the country for many years. I met my wife there. We got married there. We had kids there, and um, we don't currently live there. We're based in the States, but still very involved with what God's doing uh, in Afghanistan with the local house fellowships there and disciple-making and other spiritual initiatives and different partnerships that we're uh, even some of what you guys represent through Antioch and different partnerships to try to complete the task of making disciples among unreached people groups. Of course, now in the States, we're trying to encourage those that work among Muslims in diaspora locations, mainly for, uh, for Afghans, 
that are now scattered all over the over the world. And um, my wife's name's Jean. We have five kids. We're trying to do family as well, and uh, that's another disciple making thing. But uh, so between family and networks of partnership through YWAM and other great commission organizations, we have a lot of that the Lord's allowed us to be involved in, mainly among Afghans, mainly in Central Asia, but also Muslims in general, those that are working in the, in the Muslim world. Yeah. Just for our listeners' sake, um, in these last six months since things kind of blew up in Afghanistan, uh, John and I found ourselves on two of the same text threads from a couple of our friends, mutual friends, uh, who who were were at that time uh, seeking to get out of Afghanistan and now are just as integrally involved with them as they were before. They just can't happen to be residential at the moment, I guess, in in country. Uh, but um, I I very I reached out to a couple of friends and asked, who else do you think would be a great a great uh, interviewee for um, for resiliency and one of our mutual friends immediately said, you, John, you and Jean. And so I'm so thankful for the recommendation. And, and I, I'm thankful for that friend's insight to suggest that we might talk to you today from a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, for the most part, for these two and a half years of resiliency episodes, we've, we've spoken to, uh, to field workers about sort of their own personal resiliency, uh, just asking them, you know, how have you... How have you uh, thrived uh, as, you've, as you've ministered or not necessarily always thrived, but at times felt like you were about to crater. And yet, by God's grace, you've made it through and continued to, to um, you know, be in the, in the ministry uh, cross-culturally. And our, our mutual friend uh, suggested that we might have a conversation today about resiliency from the nationals perspective. Um, you being an American like us, but you very much being enculturated, you very much knowing the heart language and being able to speak the heart language, you being able to connect at that heart level with Afghans in particular, I think, and to just ask you uh, to share with us in that area, John. So um, let me start with just asking you, what do you think is helpful for equipping local believers for resiliency? Since in most of these tougher, we call them sometimes red zone places, uh, where where some of our many of the field workers who are listening to this are ministering, most of the time when persecution strikes, uh, the hardest uh, impact of being a believer will not necessarily be felt by the expat worker, but it's going to be felt more by the national believer. So, John, what do you think is helpful for equipping local believers for resiliency? What's been your experience? Yeah, equipping local believers for resiliency. I, I think I would piggyback on what you've been doing the last few years. It does kind of begin with us having a sense of resiliency in the Lord. Uh, just to speak to that, you know, because even you guys, our family as well, others that might be listening, there's seasons of goings and comings, you know, and the Lord leads in different ways. But how do we model what it really means to be, you know, resilient in God's call, you know, on our life? Um, and the reason why I start with that is because my own experience, and I've made the mistakes myself, at times when persecution comes or opposition comes, we, if we're, if we're not really listening and hearing from the Lord and walking in resiliency, we can not intentionally, but unintentionally impose fear or other things upon 
you know, those that were discipling because, uh, you know, we can leave and we, we have exit strategies and anyway, I, we don't need to go into all that now. So, so backing up to the, how would we better equip local believers? Our experience has been, first of all, make sure we're not going to unnecessarily mess up the process of what God wants to do and say to them. And, you know, in that, in that moment, because most of us aren't conditioned for, uh, you know, persecution and suffering. And uh, one of the organizations that I serve with, that's that's all that it's it's about. And I'm blown away every day from testimonies, you know, around the world of believers, local believers that choose to to stay. So putting that in the Afghan context, it's it might sound very simple, but our experience is we need to go back and master the simplicity of the importance of prayer, taking things to the Lord, waiting on him, you know, not quickly responding, but just waiting on the Lord to hear his voice. What is he saying in this circumstance? Because as you know, since we're talking about Afghanistan, God has moved some of our brothers and sisters on. That's what he wanted them to do. It was a season and now they've, so the point is there's times where the Lord does, you know, he, he moves us on, but the point is we want to make sure we're hearing that from him and we're discerning that from what he's saying and what's going on in the circumstance, not just choosing to move on because it's become hard or dangerous or there's opposition or there's persecution. And right. then along with the prayer would be the importance of the scriptures, even though, again, it sounds very simple. So just this past week, uh, not in Afghanistan, I'll come back to that in a minute, in another Muslim country, uh, some requests came to us. Uh, where is the, and I'll, I'll back up and elaborate on this in a minute, where are the discovery Bible study scriptures about persecution or suffering? So I quickly just, you know, there's an app that we use. So those that might not be familiar with those terms, a lot of what we've done in disciple making, it's an organic small group, you know, house fellowship approach. And we do discovery Bible study type of approach where you just read the scriptures and you ask questions and you trust the spirit of God to bring illumination through uh, through the word of God. But the point was, they said these believers are already now facing opposition, and we realize we need to make an adjustment and forget about what we were focusing on and help them learn biblically, scripturally from the word of God. You know, what does it say about resiliency, especially in the face of, you know, persecution and suffering? So now putting that into our Afghan context, that is probably something that I made many mistakes on because I'm not coming from a context where I faced a lot of persecution and suffering. So therefore it wasn't part of our initial disciple making. And uh, so we've made a lot of mistakes and now we've kind of corrected and adjusted some of that, that even in the discovery process of learning who Christ is and receiving, you know, revelation that, He's the, the son of the living God and the whole process of discipling someone. We now incorporate scriptures that highlight the possibility. And in their case, the highly possibility uh, of, you know, of, of persecution and uh, in, 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 in suffering. And so the, the, the point of that is we have to trust the spirit of God and the word of God in and through prayer and in and through interaction with the scriptures to submit within them or, you know, give them that conviction and, and scriptural understanding, you know, and worldview and, and response or perspective, biblically speaking, about suffering and persecution. And so 
not to go into a lot of details because this is going to be public, but I think you guys will understand this and the listeners will as well. So some of the neighboring countries of Afghanistan, they're also Muslim uh, countries, and therefore you have Muslim background believers. So some years ago, what we chose to do in prayer and intentionality was try to involve what we would call near cultural you know, followers of Jesus who were also coming from a Muslim background. Could you guys, men and women, help us in this theme of resiliency, especially in the face of suffering and persecution, because you're coming out of a Muslim background, you live in more of a persecuted or, you know, possible suffering type of context. And so the point was, I I realized how ill-equipped I was, Uh, you know, like, you know, one joke, you know, when I was there years ago without being married, it was hard to do family discipleship discussions with men, most of which who were married and had their own kids, because they could look at me and say, well, yeah, John, but you're not married and you don't have kids. So you don't understand, you know, our, 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 our context here. And so, so for our, I don't know where the listeners are in their, you know, different settings, but again, bringing it back to prayer and building that discipline in local believers, encouraging them to build that discipline that in everything, even in persecution, we're going to seek first God's kingdom wait on him and see what he says in this circumstance. We're going to go quickly to the word of God and let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in whatever you know context that we're in. But are there other Muslim background believers, near cultural believers that we could add you know, or bring into this discussion because they're coming from that, from that, uh, from that background? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, like they've been there and done that, whereas... Maybe you haven't. Maybe we haven't. Like I like I framed the question as as expatriate workers. Sometimes we've got an exit strategy. We can get out, and there they are left to deal with you know the heat that we just kind of escaped from. I know that not every not every uh, foreigner leaves. I realize that we all know that. Um, and and like you said, I mean it's following the the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh, we hope and pray that we haven't done something that's just simply out of fear. But based or, or reactionary. I don't want to, you know, I want to get to safety and not have to deal with, with threat. But, um, but yes, getting those near culture partners or like, you know, like culture people to come and speak into it. Like, yes, we have, we have experienced this brothers and sisters in our country. And here's what, here's what the word, let's look at what the word of God says. I wonder on that note, John, just, um, if somebody's out there and thinking, yeah, if only, if only I had a near culture person who could come in who experienced persecution and yet I don't, and, but yet we still need to go there. You know, I guess the bottom line of DBS of Discovery Bible Study is uh, that, we're, that we're saying, let's all look at this together. Let's see what God says. Let's, let's uh, you know, uh, obey what he says. Um, and we're, you know, we're looking for the Holy Spirit to teach us, uh, and maybe sometimes it's going to be apart from that testimony mm-hmm. of the person who says, and yeah, that's invaluable, but just curious if you have had, uh, like you say, maybe you haven't experienced the persecution that some of your Afghan brothers and friends have, uh, but have you been able tell us a story, tell us a story where you have been discipling Afghans and maybe this conversation and this topic and this particular scriptural you know, uh, something from the Gospels or Paul's journeys uh, was was what you were discovering in the Bible. 
you have any stories of, of when you've, you know, when an Afghan has gotten revelation right there, you know, when you're with him or her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, it's very common. We all know that, but that's that was kind of our initial, you know, go-to, partly because of just where it flows in, in disciple-making process. And because it has, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, you know, and Jesus saying kind of right at the gate, one of his very first, you know, teachings. And so that's an example of, again, doing it in a discovery format, letting them read it for themselves or listen to it. As you know, in Afghanistan, a lot of, you know, it's an oral society. A lot of people aren't, uh, you know, privileged to be able to read and write, but, but then being able to see it in their own language or hear it in their own language that that particular phrase, you know, Hoshal Bahal, you know, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for, you know, righteousness' sake or following, you know, Jesus. For great is their reward uh, in heaven. Now, having said that, our our experience is sometimes it's not a a one time thing. In every, you know, what I'm saying it's it it's a continual, you know, you know, a process. And uh, so, First Peter was a big one. N- not necessarily the whole book, but the fact that it's written to those who are scattered and those who have been, you know, in a suffering type of, you know, context. And again, the specific ones about, you know, we rejoice in the sufferings, knowing that it's a great, you know, again, a great reward, you know, in heaven. There's the passage in Romans chapter five and uh, James chapter one is more talking about trials. But but our experience was when local believers were reading this for themselves. So again, it's one thing for me to share a little bit about how I've been persecuted, and I have. I have, you know, we have had death threats, and there, you know, we all, all of us, most all of us have who've lived in that part of the world. Uh, but I'm still a Westerner, not coming from that background to be able to speak completely to it. And even when, you know, Iranians or those from Pakistan or other countries would come, or we would create venues where they could hear from others about their stories of persecution, it did add life to it, and God used it, and it, w- it was a great thing. But at the end of the day, a lot of it was when when they are reading the scriptures, God speaking to them through the scriptures, through his spirit. And there was even times where one particular brother, he actually had a series of dreams that were related to what we're talking about in terms of resiliency and persecution and opposition. And for him, he would say it was those dreams that were like the confirmation that, yes, God's with me. Yes, in the hard times, he's still with me. Yes, there is going to be persecution and opposition, but God's still going to be with me. And he's going to, you know, see me, you know, see me through this. Now, having said that, since we're being real here with one another, you know, in the last six months, I have had Afghan friends, very close friends who are followers of Jesus, who have also brought into the discussion that sometimes Jesus himself said, you know, flee to the next city. You know what I'm saying? There's times where, you know, they left. There's times where they stayed. There's times where they moved on. There's different seasons. So so I just want to, you know, mention that as well, that there have been times where we have prayed and directed someone back to the scriptures. And in the end, what God spoke to them was, well, now now is the time to flee. I'm supposed to move on. And uh, But hopefully, though, in that context, they were doing it not as a reaction to fear. They were doing it in a response to what God was speaking to them at that particular, at that particular moment. And, um, and, and, and probably some of, you know, would resonate with this. There are some 
you know, Afghans who were still in Afghanistan and simply the way God spoke to them was, this is my homeland. This is where God brought me into faith. This is where I'm called to serve. And there is just a sense of apostolic resiliency in them, in my opinion, even without a lot of prayer and fasting and a lot of spiritual stuff, it was just, it was just in them. You know what I'm saying? It was just in them. I am here, you know, come hell or high water. I am here. This is where God, you know, places me in, in, in any way. So, um, that's good. I, I, you know, I don't, we don't need to have specifics, but I've just wondered like, Lord, how many, it's kind of like Elijah, right? I'm the only one Lord says there's 7,000 others. I've been wondering like, Lord, how many are the numbers who have just said not, you know, not going anywhere. So you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of like in recent months, you've seen some, some people respond one way or, or another and, and stuff. What, what have you noticed in this kind of recent, um, well, diaspora, this recent uh, people leaving, some people staying, what have you noticed that has kind of helped you to see what are the key differences between uh, those who have shown resilience and those who haven't? And what, what, is that, what does that look like? Yeah. So a difference between those, yeah, that have shown resilience and those that haven't, I, I would still go back to my own mistakes and me not being problematic in the situation. And what I mean by that would be, I need to simply ask people questions because at the beginning, we're not exactly sure, you know, how's God going to speak to this person? Are they going to have resilience to stay? Or are they going to sense that they need to move on? It's not very clear. So I learned the hard way. I just simply need to prayerfully ask questions, questions like kind of what we've been talking about. Well, you know, Muhammad, what's God saying to you in this situation? You know, how, how have you been praying and what scriptures are coming to mind? You know, trying to just simply facilitate discovery, revelation, you're know, hearing from God and letting them decide how to, you know, to respond because it's ultimately their, you know, their, 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 their choice, your choice. And um, so the reason why I wanted to say that is because I, I, I still think that if we don't approach it delicately, sensitively, prayerfully, and kind of removing our feelings, you know, from it, because I'm just being real with you. I have said this in the past. I didn't say this in the last six months because I've learned a little bit from my own experience. I did get some pushback from it, just being very real with you. But I have in the past more directly, and I could even, you know, some people could even give the excuse, well, I thought I was prophetically speaking and telling these brothers, hey, guys, you need to get out of here. You're about to get killed. Well, that may not necessarily be what the Lord wants to say to them in that particular moment. That's how I feel, you know, but so my, my point is I'm just still rawly processing and wondering if we short circuit some of the resiliency that might have been played out in some of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. And it could be other countries that are represented on this uh, podcast by interjecting too quickly what we felt or what we would do if we were in their shoes or whatever X, Y, Z, uh, might, might, might would be. And, um, so back to your question, the resiliency of uh, th those that seem to have that and those that didn't, it still somewhat plays out in the same way. When we heard people pause, stop, you know, pray, go to the Lord, you kind of sense there's 
there's some resiliency principles there you can work with. But contrary to that, if the response, whether it was encouraged from a foreign influence or whatever influence, if the response was more, I got to get out of here, help me get out of here, then just being real, very raw with you, it was kind of hard then to back up and help that person process and mm. to hear from the Lord and to rethink the whole thing. Uh, and now just to be very real with you, there is a dear Afghan brother out of Afghanistan and his own testimony is now, I think we jumped the gun. Okay. I think we reacted too quickly. I think we responded too quickly. And in his context, and all due respect, and I was on the string of emails as well, in my opinion, it was the foreign influence, meaning the people that were not in Afghanistan that kind of fueled that thinking of, wow, we got to get everybody, you know, everybody out here. So now just being very real with you, I've removed myself from some of these continual evacuation initiatives because I finally had to say, guys, I'm sorry. I really don't believe this is what God is saying right now, because if we say this is what God is saying right now, it means every believer in Afghanistan has to be evacuated. You yeah. have to, there has to be some stop somewhere. You can't continue this momentum or mm -hmm. otherwise what you're saying by continuing the momentum is that every believer who is in Afghanistan has the potential of being in harm's way and therefore has to get out of the country. And I just don't see that in the scriptures. I don't see that precedent in church history. I don't see that as to how it advances the kingdom of God. And I've got a lot of you know, pushback on that. And it goes back to this theme. How can we develop resiliency in these brothers and sisters? Or at least how can we not discourage that from developing by too quickly interjecting ourselves and, and our opinion or our, you know, uh, so, so meaning brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, when they've responded with, I'm praying about this, I want to hear from the Lord on this, you know, what does the scripture say about this? You know, I know God's called me here type of thing. That's just been extremely encouraging, but realizing there are those that in their processing with the Lord, Again, regardless of what influences that were along with that, they chose to move on and we have to bless that. There has to be grace for that because I realize I don't live in Afghanistan right now either. And uh, so I don't have the right to tell someone to stay or to go, but I don't want to hinder the process of God confirming to them whether they're to stay or go, kind of like the discovery process that we do. We want to be facilitators and not yeah. get in the way of what God might want to say, you know, in, in that particular, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, context. And so to me, the key, the common denominators were prayer and the word of God waiting on the Lord to see what the Holy Spirit was going to say in the context of prayer and the word of God. That seemed to be some of the foundational pieces of those that would have re resiliency to, 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 to stay in that particular context. Yeah, great. And it sounds like the, I think we might've used the word preemptive, but more like just the, the intentionality about going to those persecution passages now, wherever our listeners may be today. And if, they're, if, if many of them are in persecution type of climates uh, or, or the nationals at least are to be intentional, maybe by virtue of this particular podcast, it, just in case, you know, they haven't really thought 
oh, that should jump in the line of priority of what we're talking about in this DBS flow. We should actually like somebody texted you or whatever and said, where are the persecution passages that we would study DBS wise and bring it on up to the closer to now so that we can say, let's, let's at least have initial run through this with our national friends uh, because, you know, because of the likelihood or because of the clear and present, you know, uh, persecution that, that is coming. And then I guess, you know, that initial, maybe people aren't in the throes of persecution, but they study scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And then based upon that conviction of the Holy Spirit in scripture, whatever that may be, it may be, oh, Jesus encouraged them to go to the next city, or Paul said, so we fled that place, or that the door was closed, uh, or stay, you know, I'm going to stay because there's a promise of persecution for those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they'll suffer. Um, that in the, in the, in the non-heated moment, they get that Holy Spirit word. And then when the time comes, there's maybe a revisiting rather than an initial visiting. Cause I know like from the, from the threads I was on with all of you guys uh, and our brothers who were, who themselves were, were leaving Afghanistan. I can't imagine them being able to push a pause button on the reality of the fire they were in and saying, let's right now have a DBS about suffering, you know? Yes. So, um, so I really like how you began all that, John, with, uh, with telling that story of somebody saying, where are those passages? Cause we, we need to study them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. May this, may this interview with you and time with you be a catalyst for, for people doing DBS and doing, you know, seeking disciple making movements right now to say, you know, it's so clear in scripture that, that there will be, you know, increased persecution as the, as the day draws near. So let's, let's get with our national brothers and sisters and, uh, and, you know, stare this reality, hard reality right in the eye and, and go, you know, go through it. So that's good. That was a good summary conclusion right there. What you just said, that was, yeah. <laughs> Thank spot you. On. Those Afghans whom you've been walking with over the last six months, you know, what were the conversations like around them and their families? Right. If we're M's and we're going to these kind of red zone countries, Generally, as mom and dad, as soon as our kids are old enough to begin to understand, we're kind of we're kind of talking to them, you know, from scripture about suffering, about persecution. But do you feel like there's somewhere place you could go there where you've been talking to your brothers, your Afghan brothers, and they're saying, but brother John, you know, my kids, you know. uh, Well, I mean, yeah, it's a bigger discussion, but maybe just to speak to it from one angle as as a husband, as a father this was probably one of my biggest struggles in, in the context of living in Afghanistan, because I've had fellow M workers in, and even local believers tell me something like this. Yeah, John, it's one thing for you to say you're willing to lay down your life for Jesus. And it's one thing for your wife to say, she's willing to lay down her life for Jesus, but your kids aren't at a place to say that yet. And so it, I have to confess, it really kind of rocked my world because there is a risk in following Jesus in the context of what we're talking about. There is a sacrifice to advance God's kingdom among unreached you know, people groups. So at the end of the day, we would say we still have to hear from the Lord and know in this season, what does he want us to do? What does he want us to embrace? Because there are times where it would be you know, for the whole family to embrace whatever the Lord might have. And so putting it back in the last six months, yes, I have heard that many times from Afghans 
strong believers, solid believers, kind of saying the same thing. You know, John, I'm not concerned about me. I'm concerned about my family, you know, especially my my young children, you know, type of thing. And and all I know to say now is I'm going to get, you know, teared up about that anyway, but I've got to go to another meeting in a minute, but uh, uh, is that God knows that. I mean, God is a loving father. I mean, he his heart is wrenched in that context as well. And he knows the agony of, you know, of us as husbands and fathers, you know, in that. And, and then that's where, you know, we take we took a lot of comfort in all these years and still do. And, you know, there's there's grace for whatever the season is. And so meaning, you know, if if we chose to embrace, no, we're going to stay here, there would be grace, you know, for that. If we also said, well, in this circumstance, as it says in Acts, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit, because sometimes things are very clear. It's a clear stay. Sometimes it's a clear go. Sometimes it's more like it seems best to us in the Holy Spirit in a consensus of making a decision that we're going to move on because of these circumstances. And we want to, again, give grace to one another uh, as fellow workers, but also as you know, local believers that we're in, you know, in contact with, that if that's how God leads them in the process of making a decision, again, you know, who are we to, you know, question that? Because we've all been in that particular, you know, a, a circumstance. And, um, and then just being able to see the bigger picture that, uh, you know, God's going to use the Afghans that are scattered in other countries. He's already using the ones that are scattered here. There's already other ways, you know, we're able to expand some of their influence now because of, where they're located and what they can be involved in because of, you know, the whole, the whole digital, the whole digital world. And so just seeing God's sovereignty, you know, through the, through the whole thing. And um, so, yes, I do think it's relevant for, for parents to be seeking the Lord, sharing with our children about suffering, about persecution, about what it means to, you know, follow Jesus. And, and again, sharing stories, you know, of a persecuted family around the world, talking about things in history you know, talking about things, you know, in the, in the scriptures, because then that can be like an anchor and a foundation to help us make the, the, the timely decisions we have to make when we're faced with, you know, those, those things. And then it's, it's stay, Terry, go, you know, wait, move on. I mean, depending upon how the Lord, you know, speaks in that particular, uh, you know, uh, context. Yeah. Yeah. I guess ultimately it's just truly a matter of, of trusting, surrendering, obeying, and, and then us probably who have, who have potentially been the people who have led the, the, the national to the Lord Jesus, and that we're like, okay, I'm not in control of this person's life. The Holy Spirit is. Uh, I'm a disciple maker right now. The Lord's entrusted that to me, but not to control them and, mm-hmm. and try to give them direction for their life, but more direct them to him in scripture, who is their life and who will give them that. Well, John, this is a, this is a great, great conversation. And uh, just so thankful to have you today as our guest on Resiliency. I know you got another meeting you're going to there. Yeah, we always love to ask our, our guests to, just to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation over our listeners. So can you do that for us today? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do love you because you first loved us. We thank you that you are love and nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, we're convinced that neither heights nor debts nor angels, principalities, persecution, anything, Lord, can separate us from 
your great love. We're more than conquerors because of your great love uh, for us. And so we want to pray that for one another. Lord, would you stir up your love within us, the love that you've shed abroad in our hearts by your spirit? Would you just allow us to live in the ocean uh, of your love to even have more revelation of the heights and the depths and the widths of your great love uh, for us and to rest in that and to live in that, to find victory in that, even in the midst of challenging circumstances or persecution. Fathers, we've talked about Afghanistan, those that are connected there, local brothers and sisters there. We would echo that, Lord, for them, but in other Muslim contexts as well. Would you be with our brothers and sisters Lord, they're the apple of your eye. They're your bride. You purchased them by your blood and you love them with an everlasting love. And so, Lord, we pray over them and with them and for them. Lord, in a fiery trial or in persecution or in suffering or in imprisonment or in danger that might be uh, as sheep among wolves, their context, uh, Lord, would you be with them and would you use them? And Lord, we just long for your name to be glorified among the Muslim world, among every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue. And we know that's going to take labors. It's going to take sacrifice, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and prayer. And uh, so, Lord, we just pray, would you use all of us, Lord, wherever we're currently at and whatever season of life we're in, would you use us by the power of your spirit to develop further resiliency to the call that you have on us to finish this task of making disciples among the unreached Lord. So, those that are going to listen to this, bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them, Lord. Give them peace. Lift up the light of your countenance, Lord. Give them grace and make your ways known through them that your salvation ultimately might spread to all the nations as you receive the reward of your suffering, King Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Amen. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, brothers. Yeah, bless you, Steve. Bless you, Sias. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Resiliency. Special thanks to Antioch Music and their original song, Nothing Can Stop, for our intro and our outro music. Tune in again in two weeks for our next episode of Resiliency. It has been told.